Whether it's running, hiking, biking, golfing, or even working, Curex insoles can help your patients live healthy and active lifestyles. Using the latest medical and biomechanics research, Curex insoles are engineered for unequaled comfort, performance, and injury prevention. With its patented dynamic arch technology that enables the ideal ratio of flexibility and rigidity, Curex insoles properly support the foot and its natural movement for ideal knee and hip alignment. And because no two patients are alike, Curex offers a full line of highly customised insoles available in high, medium and low arch profiles. Learn more about the science behind Curex and sign up for a free sample at medical.curex.us. That's medical.currex.us. Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Today, we're introducing a new sub-series within JOSPT Insights, where we will be partnering with authors and editors from a JOSPT sister journal named JOSPT Cases. Cases is a digital quarterly release journal that uses quick, easily digestible case reports to translate research into rehabilitation practice using decision trees, videos, patient narratives, self-assessment tools, and breakdowns of high-quality clinical decision-making to help you improve your practice with your patients. Today, we have the privilege and the pleasure of kicking off this series with Dr. Kimiko Yamada. Dr. Yamada is an associate professor of clinical physical therapy at the University of Southern California and a practicing therapist in a faculty-run practice at USC. She teaches clinical imaging at USC and has been involved with the musculoskeletal imaging special feature of JOSPT since back in 2014. She currently guides quality reviews of musculoskeletal imaging cases submitted to JOSPT cases along with Mike Rosenthal and Lynn McInnes. My name is Dan Chapman. I'm a U.S.-based physical therapist and owner of Chapman PT in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Chelsea Kuman, a physical therapist and athletic trainer at Stanford University Athletics. Thank you so much, Kamiko, for coming on to the podcast, taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. Okay, so before we jump in to the actual case for the day, can you just give us an overview of what JOSPT cases is for those who kind of aren't familiar? It's kind of new. Can you give us a little overview? In 2021, we had our first issue in the beginning of the year. And our clinician meters want it and, and ask for it. So JSPT felt that it was important enough and decided to make a spin-off journal that's very clinician sensitive. It makes everything uh, digestible for clinicians. So in JSPT cases, what you'll find are the case report, as well as musculoskeletal imaging cases, which are highlighting imaging in p- physical therapy care. In each issue, there are about six or seven case reports and about another four to seven uh, imaging cases. The format of each of them is very digestible and and it's titled so that you can kind of easily walk through in a case in each the case reports and the imaging cases. I will attest to that. It's actually fun to get into like these short little reads of like, it's like, you know, two pages worth of all just like content that you can kind of zip through and learn something from. It's really delightful. It's just a nice change of pace from the 
you know, the seven page research articles. Chris Hughes and Kelly Fitzgerald wrote wonderful introductions to in the first issue of the journal to say why it's so important that we keep it for, for those exact reasons that you're saying. And Kelly Fitzgerald's, he highlights that, you know, you're, you're sharing unique and innovative ways of presenting cases. I just want to say too, I've learned personally, I learned really, really well from case reports. It, it really, really helps, uh, you know, take the evidence and, and, and the information that you, that you glean from research articles and different, different trials, and then actually see how it, it applies and somehow, or sometimes rather how it doesn't apply to the patient sitting in front of you. It's very translational in the in the case reports and in the musculoskeletal imaging. Um, and it's actually, and I use it as a teaching tool all the time. The other teachable moment is for, for clinicians that are trying to publish, right? It's very intimidating for them to, to even design a randomized control trial or to get this high level of evidence. A clinician's first attempt at a publication, and it's a very achievable means of early clinicians getting their first publications and it's part of their professional development. And so going off of that, can you introduce us to the case that we will be going over today? The case that I chose to talk about today is titled Osteochondral Fractures Resulting in Total Joint Arthroplasty. And the author is Corey Rickard. He did a wonderful report on a 33-year-old military patriot system repairer a very physically demanding job, and he had six months of chronic hip pain. And that's important because a lot of guidance that we have to ordering imaging comes from our uh, American College of Radiology guidelines for imaging. And so kind of knowing the chronicity of this patient's hip pain kind of helped me choose which guideline I might use to decide if we would use imaging, what is the higher level of evidence to, to, or, to suggest for imaging? He describes how the patient reported his symptoms of kind of location of pain in the, in the buttock and groin area and having some locking and giving, a, giving way, but no other real significant medical history. So he's just reporting the most important key factors in the patient's presentation. And then he goes into describing the objective findings that he had after doing a, a physical therapy examination, a very thorough examination, I'm sure, but he's highlighting the key findings from that objective evaluation in this. And so knowing when the patient experienced pain, um, I think some of the important key factors I grabbed from this is that there were some signs of intra-articular joint pain here. It's a 33-year-old, so not expecting a whole lot of osteoarthritis, but having intra-articular pain. But this is a very non-traumatic mechanism of injury. So not we're not, we weren't really expecting any intra-articular problems with this non-traumatic mechanism of injury sort of just six months of slowly building pain. So then based on these significant findings that Dr. Rickards presents and on the patient's subjective findings, he's keen on ordering, suggesting imaging. And in this PT's military setting, um, and, and our clinicians are coming from all different settings, the physical therapist is allowed to order, order radiographs. So sends the patient right off to get radiographs and there were some findings of osteochondral fracture in the radiographs. And in this case, we're able to highlight these findings on imaging that people might not be familiar with looking at. So on, on a radiograph, how that might present. Based on those findings, our ACR, our American College of Radiology Guidelines, points us to, hey, we found these findings on the radiographs, and now what's the next advanced imaging do we order? 
And so the suggestion on following up these radiographic findings with getting advanced imaging, including magnetic re resonance imaging of the hip, these significant findings on T1 and STIR imaging of the hip, those imaging findings led to a consultation with a hip preservation specialist, so a hip joint surgeon that determined based on these imaging findings and based on these clinical signs and symptoms, maybe this patient is a good candidate for a total hip replacement. So the advanced imaging potentially happened all in one day. And the choice on treatment plan could have happened, you know, within that week, potentially. Um, and then after the total hip replacement, after five months, the patient was able to have full range of motion, strength, and normal gait. We've encouraged our authors to include in this format of musculoskeletal imaging in GSPT cases, particularly, is to add a last paragraph about a learning point. We're able to highlight that, you know, the signs and symptoms of intraarticular problems, even though this is a non-traumatic mechanism of injury on a 33-year-old patient, potentially warranted imaging, and that those imaging findings expedited quality care. Can you just share those clinical findings that jumped out to make them think that imaging was appropriate? The most important findings were that there were some intraarticular findings from this non-traumatic mechanism of injury in this young patient that he didn't anticipate having and having six months of this type of pain. So it wasn't just a little bit of hip irritation that went away after rest and even maybe some modalities, it didn't go away. So I think that's what warranted imaging and radiographs are relatively quick. And it's because it's easy access. He had that at, it, at his disposal, right, to order imaging really quick. And had the radiograph showed nothing significant, he could have gone on with his treatment right there and feel pretty confident that he's not going to cause additional harm to that intraarticular area. So um, one of the things that when Dan and I were reading through the case, we we're like, oh, this is so interesting because he didn't do PT. He went straight to imaging and he he ended up having surgery. Um, so just thought that was an interesting take on it. In in somewhere do you, that maybe they wouldn't have been able to get imaging as quickly, something like that. And if they would have had PT, what do you think that experience would have been in that rehab? It, it could have been quite frustrating, right? If we are working on a hip that has an osteochondral fracture, and we're thinking at this age, maybe it's more of a labral presentation, right? That maybe we could treat non-operatively. We could spend months of treating this patient with physical therapy for a suspected labral pathology for many months before, hey, they're not getting better. Okay, now not improving as we would anticipate also warrants sending back for imaging. It wouldn't be able to see um, labral injury, but it was easy to see uh, a bone defect on that radiograph some of those findings included like a positive Faber um, and he had pain at his end ranges of flexion and extra rotation, interrotation. Those are typically, you know, classic, oh yeah, I'm going to think labral in there. Just really interesting that they, they went ahead and got the imaging and found that solution so fast. If it, that could have been, that could have gone vastly differently for that patient. We are also challenging our authors to share the evidence that supported why they ordered imaging. For this case, he reports the American College of Radiology guideline, imaging guidelines on chronic hip pain, which recommends after if a hip is not getting better after, you know, if you think it was an intraarticular uh, labral problem, you would hope that irritation would eventually go down. And it, although it may re-exacerbate, this person was describing this chronic pain that didn't have a relapsing, remitting kind of labral kind of presentation. 
I just want to clarify, too, for the international audience that this case involved a PT in the United States military. In the military here, PTs have increased autonomy and the ability to order imaging. Some civilian PTs have access to, to those rights, but the vast majority do not. Kimiko, can you touch on what we've learned from PTs in the military having increased autonomy in regards to ordering imaging? Yeah, and most of our evidence for physical therapists uh, having rights to order imaging that did come originally from the military setting because they've had those rights for many years to order imaging. And the evidence from their data shows that there hasn't been an increased risk of injury or harm to the patients by physical therapists in that setting being able to order imaging. We have this ability to apply our clinical signs and symptoms to our imaging decision making and suggestions to our other medical professors and medical professionals in some cases. So I'm in the state of California. We do not have rights to order imaging, but I am oftentimes sharing this information of this case report does in the case presentation section, sharing that key information to a physician to order imaging. And so shifting back to JOSPT cases for a moment here, um, can you tell us more about the variety of cases? Are they all orthopedic? Are they all imaging? Uh, you know, what is the target audience for these cases? So JSPT comes from the orthopedic and sports background. But as I look through the cases, our orthopedic and sports physical therapists do come across oncologic pathologies and neurologic pathologies and cardiopulmonary DVT type pathologies in their practice. We do have a DVT, vestibular basilar in, in, insufficiency cases presented. So although there, it's coming from many clinicians that are orthopedic and sports uh, specialists, you're going to see pathologies across the board. And you don't have to be an orthopedic or sports physical therapy member to subscribe to GSPT cases. Um, it's $50 for the, for the whole year. And do people just go to JOSPT.org to subscribe or what's the best way to, to get on that subscription list? That's probably the easiest, JOSPT.org, and it links to JOSPT Cases Journal as well. You, you kind of touched on it before is, you know, this is so important for pe professionals to kind of get their start in their, some of their first published work. So if PTs are interested in submitting a case, um, how do you go about doing that? Go to JOSPT.org and you can, it, there is a, a button for submitting any type of publication. So JSPT case reports or musculoskeletal imaging. Kamiko, you had touched on a few recommendations that you had uh, for clinicians who are submitting their cases to JSPT cases earlier on. Do you have any other recommendations, tips, things that you look for in high quality submissions that clinicians should really keep in mind? Yeah, I mean, we want the variety, right? So some of our cases only have one image, just one radiograph, uh, so radiographic views from different angles. And it's just one type of imaging modalities. But some of them have multiple imaging modalities. And it's interesting to see and compare and contrast what you can see on some types of images and what you can't see on other types of um, advanced imaging as well. We also are producing more even scrollable MRI and CT images. By using PowerPoint, we, you can have a multiple slice, slices you know, multiple slices of an MRI or CT and actually see what it is like to scroll forward and back, up or down, left and right on an image and see where those significant findings can be. So it's a very good learning tool to have multiple types of images. Also ultrasound imaging. So we could have videos 
video format of ultrasound imaging as well. Kamiko, thank you so much for taking the time, taking us through kind of what JOSPT cases is, and then also kind of sharing that, just that little example of a case where we got to learn something today about 33-year-olds with chronic hip pain. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope everybody is able to contribute to this body of literature that we, this unique body of literature that we have. We're, we're looking forward to seeing and reading and learning from all of our submitters. And in the future, when we break down cases, we'll do it step by step so that listeners can really play along and think about what they would do given the situation. We'll break down the clinical decision making of the case, why the PT did what they did and what they may have done differently looking back. Dr. Yamada, thank you so much for your time. We are really, really looking forward to sitting down with you and then also editors, other authors and PTs from JOSPT cases in the future and breaking down these cases. Thank you so much. Thank you one last time to Dr. Kamiko Yamada for coming on to JOSPT Insights and really kicking off this new series with JOSPT cases. And as always, thank you for listening to JOSPT Insights. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time. Mm-hmm.